Welcome to the MediaCasters with your business besties, Karina Belizzi and Julie Loken. In every episode, you'll get behind-the-scenes access to experts who share their struggles and successes in podcasting, publishing, and presenting. So grab a pen, grab your bestie, and kick it with Karina and Jules. We are going to introduce people to someone we got to meet in person at PodFest in the springtime, probably just as I was getting ready to what come down with COVID. Oh, my gosh. So, Should I blame John? (laughs) You should not blame John, although we'll find out if we should. Yeah. So we're going to be talking today with, I I almost want to call him a man of mystery, but it's because the voice that he has is so resonant and mysterious in a way. He's an award-winning performer, a voiceover artist, a professional speaker, and high-stakes performance coach. And he even has a, a mild disability that makes it his role as a voice actor even more mysterious. It is so fascinating. And we're going to find all about John Watkiss. He wrote an amazing book called Listen Notes. The man, the mystery is here. And I want to know how I can improve my voice as a podcaster. My voice sometimes feels like nails on a chalkboard. So he's going to help us. Maybe he can give us some tips today. Well, I think he will. So we're just going to bring him right to the stage. John Watkiss, welcome to the MediaCasters. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Glad to be here. We don't need to talk today, Karina. (laughs) Oh, we should just leave it to him. Um, As we were getting started, Julie said to me, we need to talk really low. We need to talk (laughs) low and have some resonance, 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 and articulate our words very properly when John Watkiss is in the house. Well, the good news is I have both hearing aids and a monitor in my ear, so I can hear you clearly. Oh, wow. What do you mean a monitor in your ear? Instead of headphones, I've got a monitor so I can hear you directly in my ear, in addition to the hearing aids. Oh, wow. There's a lot going on in those ears of yours. (laughs) Story of my life. Oh, my gosh. Now, do I see one of your books featured behind you uh, if you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or LinkedIn Live? You do. Speaking Notes. Yes, called Speaking Notes, the eight essential elements to make your speech music to their ears. It shows you how to take the composition of a song and apply it to a speech so that the audience remembers, repeats, and responds to what you say. Okay. So I think, Jules, I think you said listen notes at the beginning, but that's because you're obsessed with listen notes, the tool. (laughs) But let's see. Can you pick it up and show it to all of us? No, I I don't know why I said listen. It was because Mm -hmm. I probably was just checking listen notes, which, by the way, is a great tool for all the podcasters yes, out can, there to check. Clearly. Speaking yeah. Notes. Speaking notes. Speaking notes. I'm so Look sorry. Look at the Don. P on speaking Ugh. notes. It's beautiful. Well, you know, errors happen. I misspelled his name on the live stream. I put two S's because I just want to what kiss. You want to okay. kiss, you want to kiss John, but I don't know if we have a wife and that's very, that's very un- unsettling if he does. So I, I don't, so it's okay. Okay, so that's fine. <laughs> no and, one will be unsettled. And I'm seeing in our live stream that Jessica Dalby says she has the book and she loves it. It's an amazing book. So, oh, lovely. We can, we can get that on Amazon. Yes, you can. You can get it on Amazon. 
Well, speaking notes, the P in speaking notes is a music note itself. So it, I, I think right. a glorious title, glorious book. Um, now, talk to us about how you do architect a speech as if it was a song. The first step is to find out what the main message is. If you think about music, the most important part of a song is the chorus. It's the central theme of the song. And it's the section of the song that gets repeated over and over. It's the reason the song was written. The same sh should be true for your speech, your presentation, your talk. What's the main reason? What's the chorus? What are you going to repeat over and over that people walk away remembering? That's the first key. Mm -hmm. One quick example of that, Martin Luther King in the I Have a Dream speech. Mm -hmm. If you were to listen to it all the way through, 17 minutes, over 30 times, Dr. King uses the words freedom, liberty, or free, because the chorus of the I Have a Dream speech is freedom. Hmm. So you want to make sure that, like a song, you have a chorus that when someone walks away and someone else says to them, what did John talk about? What did Julie talk about? What did Karina talk about? In one word, phrase, or sentence, it can be summed up quickly. That's your course. Wow. Well, I think I've heard many, but I wouldn't have understood the chorus to be freedom. I would have thought it was the I have a dream that you hear over and over as kind of that, the title of the speech, so to speak, right? And that is the hook, which is the part of the song that catches us. So if we go back to music, you think about Sweet Caroline. Right? So I say, Caroline. Exactly. Good times <laughs> never seem so bad. Good. Good. See, but I know bop, bop, bop is coming up once I say Sweet Caroline. <laughs> Why? It's the hook. It's the part that stays in your mind. Yeah, there's a song, Lady Marmalade. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? So People sing that part of the song. It's the only hook. French I know, by the way, John. <laughs> exactly. Even if you don't know French, you know that part of the song. It's the hook that we remember. Speeches also have hooks that we remember. So I have a dream is a hook. Let me give you another one. Give me liberty. Or give me death. If ask not what your country can do for you. But what ask you what can you do can do for your country. country. Right. So those are hooks. Let me see. Uh, this takes a certain age range to remember this one. If the glove doesn't fit. Then you must acquit. Must acquit. Yes, that's you from go. the OJ. I mean, exactly. you brought up something Franklin Delano Roosevelt said like 100 years ago, but the OJ Simpson case is a lot more in modern. More recent. So yeah. and this is what happens when we hear a hook. It gets repeated. Most importantly, it stays in our mind. And so in addition to the chorus, just like I have a dream, you have a hook that you can say. And then there was this moment when he said, and you bring mm -hmm. up that one part that struck you, just like you do with that song. And there are different ways to construct a hook, some based on emotions, some on rhyming schemes, some in the number of phrases that you use. So it is possible to consciously and purposely put together a hook that people remember. How can we be a hooker? <laughs> the word is sex worker 
No, I mean like a hooker. Like, no, okay. <laughs> and I said that on purpose as a joke, but people, people listening will remember that me saying, how can we be a hooker? But how can we harness the hook? <laughs> you, you just, you just created one. Right. It was purposeful. I actually thought about that before I said it. It was intentional. And it as all of your speaking should be. Let me give you one more. George Bush said these words, read my lips. No more taxes. So why do we remember that? It's I didn't because I chose to ignore almost everything he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, here was the main key for it. It was in the news constantly. What George Bush did was he used <laughs> emotion. Mm -hmm. And emotion is like a sticky note in the brain. If you can say a phrase that is emotional, people will remember it more likely. So that's one of the ways you can, you can create a hook. Mm -hmm. If we go back to give me liberty or give me death and ask not what your country can do, ask what you can do for your country, that's what we call antithesis. In other words, you are putting opposite phrases. And we say this all the time, it's do or die, it's now or never. Mm. It's part of our language. This makes it easy for you, easier for us to remember. Johnny Cochran, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit, is clearly rhyming. And even if you're not a poet, you can go to Google and type in rhyming dictionary. It's just like a thesaurus that you now have at your fingertips a number of different words that can rhyme. Of course, it has to be strategically placed. You just want to make sure that if you're not great at rhymes, this is the crutch that you can use in order to get it. There's also speaking in threes. Our language revolves around threes. Morning, noon, night. Beginning, mm -hmm. middle, end. Mm -hmm. I came, I saw, I conquered, I conquered. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. When you think about all these phrases, they're in threes. Our language is built to remember threes. In fact, Winston Churchill said, or we quote Winston Churchill as saying, blood, sweat, and tears. The original quote was, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Our brain likes to compartmentalize in threes. Hmm. So if you can find threes and combine them with antithesis or combine them with emotion, you're more likely to get a hook that will stick. I'm reminded of a couple of things in my work. Take it. Well, and don't quit it. Sorry. I was just thinking about. So, you know, you have complex stories that you have to tell in the world of nutrition. And so I've worked with a, a few very bright individuals. And one said simply, the tissue is the issue. And the fact that they rhymed, what made it easy, but what we're talking about is absorption. Absorption isn't sexy right? It's like, oh, you don't absorb the nutrients if it's in this form or that form or whatever. But when you said the tissue is the issue, suddenly people in the room would smile because they're like, oh, I, get, I can remember that. And even though it's a somewhat boring topic, like boring to some, I'm just being frank because like, you know, when you talk to a general public, there's, you're talking about absorption of nutrients. This could be quite boring, right? But if you're able to say, we're cutting out the middle fish, the tissue is the issue. Like, they're, they're easy to remember. They're taglines in a way. They can almost operate like the slogan of the speech. Is yes. that what you would say? Absolutely. Yes. And that, that tissue is the issue is the perfect example of a hook. 
as I was mentioning the whole concept of hook, that's what came back to your brain. And when people say that people will remember the way you make them feel, but not what you say, that's not true. People will remember what you say if you say something significant in a particular mm. time. And if you make them feel something with it, they're going to be more likely. Absolutely. So it's a combination. It's just not the feeling. And if you, you can probably go back to things your parents said and that you ended up repeating and go, oh my goodness, I said I was never going to say that. You remember their words and then you spoke them. So we do remember what people say when it hits a chord. It's, it's choosing the right words. Hmm. So, I mean, going on the theme of music, I think another thing to point out is the simple truth that when somebody speaks in monotone, it also gets quite boring. And so I'm sure there's some work in your book about inflection and use of inflection or volume and when those moments occur, because even the way a song is architected, it's like you have that climactic moment in a way that the wave of the music. So what, talk to us about that, like the architecture of the overall speech and how you sound. I dedicate an entire chapter to that specific topic in music it is called expression. Mm. And expression is the way that you play a specific note. And when we think about the word crescendo, it's a regular word within our language, but crescendo is actually a musical term that is to increase the volume. Diminuendo or decrescendo is to actually go smaller in the volume. Piano. Fortissimo, all of these are terms that we hear, or staccato. When we say that someone is being staccato, then they keep talking like this. It's a musical term. Mm -hmm. So there are different ways that you can express it. Now, let me give you a, an example where people make a mistake when they're speaking because they try to say their most important point loudly. Hmm. Try and imagine this. You walk into a room, you've got something juicy to say, and then you go, I've got a secret. No one does that, right? No, we go, guess what I just found out. So if I'm going to tell you the biggest secret to make your business grow, why wouldn't I lean in and prepare you just like this? So notice it, the volume went lower as opposed to higher, but it creates intrigue because when we lower our voice, it sounds like we're about to share something that hasn't been said before. We're giving mm -hmm. away top secrets. That's expression. Also, you've probably seen or maybe heard of the Seinfeld episode where someone asked the question, why would Jerry be coming? And it's putting the emphasis on one word versus the other changed the meaning. That's one way of changing the tone. You can also though, add emotion. So for example, I have done a video that's somewhere on my social media where I use the word sorry and I say it a few different ways. I remember that one. I saw it on TikTok. Yes, yes. I did. You said sorry like six or seven different ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it could be sorry. You know you're not sorry or Sorry. Oh, I like that one. You still know you're not sorry, but how many times do we say a word 
based on the emotion, that's what people pick up. Mm-hmm. If your words and your emotions are not congruent, they're going to believe the emotions. So yes, you can emphasize one word or another. More importantly, what do you want people to feel when you speak? If you add the level of emotion, that will change your tone. Now, I've also had really expert presenters incorporate physical theatrics into their presentations, even doing something as dramatic as doing basically a box jump onto the desk or the podium in front of them, like literally. Um, So how do you, when you're, when you're talking to someone who is a very polished public speaker, who's had a lot of experience do this, um, how, how do you advise them to even polish it just one level more? It really depends on the person themselves and where they are weak or strong. For some, it is too much movement. Mm. If you go to Toastmasters, they will tell you that you need to move all over the stage. I rarely moved because when I worked with directors professionally on stage, they would always say, why did you just go there? In other words, what was your motivation for moving across the room? You had to have a motivation for changing your direction or changing your position. And when you are on stage, you want to make sure that you're in the right place. So you talked about this person doing a box jump. Again, depending on their level of knowledge when it comes to the stage, if they're looking at history, where do they stand when they're talking about the past? Where do they stand when they're talking about a future event? Do they know how to use an imaginary prop? Because if you were to take an improv class, what you learn is once you set up an imaginary prop somewhere on the stage, you don't walk over it. That is Mm -hmm. how literally in the spot on the stage and people remember that. So you don't cross over those areas. There are a number of different methods. I, for the most part, stand in one spot and gesture with my hands. And then any movement seems like a lot of movement, which makes it more impactful. Right. So that's what they advise on TED, right? Like the TED Talks, you have that red dot you're supposed to stand within. So you have a set area of the stage, so so to speak, where people know to expect you. And if you were to step outside of that, it would be disruptive and it should have intention. Absolutely. Yes. It should be, you use the right word. The intention is there. There's a reason behind it, as opposed to walking back and forth, which most people do because they either have energy that they weren't able to release prior to speaking, or they haven't grounded themselves in order to speak. Hmm. I am a public speaking novice, and there's a lot of energy, even on this podcast. When I podcast, and Karina probably drives Karina crazy, just me moving around, and I've tried to be more focused and still and speak from my diaphragm. But what is the best tip? You did mention Toastmasters. I'm not sure if everybody knows what Toastmasters is or doing improv classes. What is your best tip? I like Toastmasters, and Toastmasters is a group that focuses on public speaking. If you are a brand new public speaker, I recommend Toastmasters, mostly because you meet on a weekly basis and you get an opportunity to practice your speaking. There was nothing more important. Well, I'll rephrase that. The second most important activity you can do to improve your public speaking is to keep speaking. The most important is to get feedback. 
on that speaking because practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. So if you keep practicing the wrong technique, you'll become exceptional at doing things the wrong way, <laughs> which is why the feedback is the key that you practice, you get feedback, you adjust, practice, feedback, adjust. This is one of the reasons I actually really like Clubhouse and some of those pitch slam rooms because people can get feedback and adjust and even just a short format. Plus it takes the edge off of the physical appearance. Like you don't have to worry, like, do I look like an idiot, right? Um, I mean, your head is sometimes your worst enemy when it comes to public speaking because you'll sit there and belittle yourself. Oh, uh, I have a spot on my pants. Everyone's going to see it. I mean, they're not going to remember that. You should not go on stage if you have a spot on your pants. <laughs> there I'm are just, days when you may need to. I have gone on with know, socks that didn't match. I it, love that. I had a zipper fail and a jacket that I had to oh wear on God. top of it. And then because it was so hot in the room, it started to affect me. So I was like, gosh, well, the zippers failed in the back. I'm just going to make a joke of it because I'm not going to go and do this whole presentation sweating like mad and then having that actually add to my nervousness. So I just said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a joke of it. I'm going to share this with the audience. It's not like I'm revealing anything crazy, but you know, you have these moments and people want to know you're a real person when they're getting ready to see you speak too. So it's all, I think, in how you handle it. It's about connecting though. You are connecting with your audience. Everything mm -hmm. John has mentioned and my dogs. So and Violet sorry. wants to be a part of the conversation. She does. She, she really wanted, does. She's saying, I hear this voice. He sounds commanding. He sounds like an alpha dog. I'm just going to keep barking. But, <laughs> so I apologize for that. But it, it's super interesting. You know, it, well, let me just backtrack. I mean, the power of connection and doing that through your voice, John. Number one, the thing I see the most fascinating about you is that you you are compromised in terms of your hearing. You wear two hearing aids and yet your voice is everything. That is how you not only connect with everybody, but it's your livelihood. I, I'm fascinating with, fascinated with that backstory. I knew that I had lost my hearing when I was 26. That was half my lifetime ago, which means that I'm 52 if you're trying to calculate. And this is when I started my public speaking career full time. Prior to that, I was an assistant conductor for a choir, a 110 voice choir that traveled both in Canada and the US. And there was a loud music. I know it seems like an odd thing when you're thinking a choir, loud music, big speakers, and I didn't wear hearing protection. As a result, I lost a lot of my ability to hear. So at age 26, when I was starting my speaking career, I went to the ear, nose, throat specialist in order to just get a, a gauge of where I was. And during the test, he asked me to repeat a few words, which I did. And then I could see his eyes close just a little bit. <laughs> Put his hand over his mouth and said, repeat after me. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't. He said, you have been reading lips all this time. Oh, wow. So I didn't recognize. I had a feeling I was losing hearing. I didn't recognize the extent of it. And I didn't know how I was compensating for it. So I have learned to be a very attentive listener 
Because if I don't watch you for all of your lip movements, I will misunderstand words. Mm. And that has caused me to focus more and be fully and completely present in my conversations. That completely changes the way that I communicate. And then fortunately being blessed with a singing voice and a voice by the way that has changed since I was 26. I have been able to use the gifts and the ability to listen and the musicality to add to my voice. Yeah. Well, I have to say you're helping me respect more the issues my father has confronted with being, um, well, he's hearing impaired mostly from being a musician, a bass guitarist for his whole life. Right. So all those low frequencies. That'll do it. Yeah. He, um, he refuses to wear hearing aids. And so I am battling that with him because he can't hear or understand half of what we say if we're in mixed company. It needs to be like a one-on-one. <laughs> Another connection. My father went deaf after her hernia surgery and my mother's deaf in one ear. So when they're driving, they're both deaf in the ear, the one ear. So, when, you know, they can't hear anything that they're saying because they're and deaf in that ear. sometimes you are thankful for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is like a real, a real thing. And people don't even realize when you said you are, you were compensating for your hearing and you didn't even know it. Yes. You know, that's so powerful. What, what I also didn't recognize is that lack of hearing led me to anxiety when it came to being out and just connecting with people. I would, and again, I, I've just recently got these hearing aids a little bit more than a year ago. Hmm. I had neighbors who always wanted to talk, but they wanted to talk from a distance. So they would wave, I would wave, and I would try to keep going. Then it got to the point where there was another way around. So I would wave past them, walk around the building in order not to have another conversation with them. When I got the hearing aids and they started speaking to me from afar, I was completely engaged in the conversation because I could hear. I didn't recognize the impact and the social anxiety that I was having just with conversations because I hated, can you say that again? Uh, can you say that again? By the way, it's horrible for intimate relationships because someone whispers something in your ear, you've got to stop the moon and say, what? It's not good. <laughs> You well, lost a I, lot of girlfriends that way, didn't you, Don? <laughs> I'm reminded of one dinner in Palo Alto with my father and my older sister and her husband at the time, in which she was trying to have a conversation with him. And it was a buca de Beppo's. So anybody who's ever been to a buca de Beppo's knows it's loud. Like that's just one of the things about that restaurant. And he just kept going, What? What? Leaning in. And um, she said this about her now ex husband. Why can't you do what he does and just nod and smile? <laughs> <laughs> that should have been writing on the walls for their relationship. But, you know, oh my goodness, um, my yeah. father really can't hear in mixed settings. So he'll he'll he does this and sometimes even this like with oh, wow. two wow. hands. Like he needs some hearing aids. Yeah. Maybe. Well, and now maybe. the hearing aids, you can adjust them so that if you're in a restaurant, it actually has a restaurant setting that filters out restaurant type noise. I was in the pharmacy yesterday and I heard a voice say, how can I help you? And I said, oh no, I'm fine. And I turned around and she wasn't talking to me. Oh. She was on the phone, but I could hear oh, the conversation so clearly. That's a superpower right there. Oh my goodness. And you really do inspire us, both Korean and I, you both 
your story inspires us. Your book inspires us. Your voice is so inspiring. And, you know, you were our go-to guy in terms of being a voice actor for podcast intros and outros. Maybe we can share that with everybody at some point when we get permission. But we just not only sit in awe of someone that you have disability you have had those bumps in the road, but you keep on going. You keep on going. You are using your voice to make a difference in the world. We're grateful to know you. And Karina, you want to get him to do our favorite thing? Our favorite thing. Our, Yeah, it is our favorite thing. Because we call each other up and just say these two words to each other just and then hang up all the time. <laughs> so two words. And that's kick it. But with feeling, wait, we really need you to bring your on voice. your A game. Bring, in your bring on your A game. A game. Uh, what's Kick the emotion it. you want? Kick it. Kick it. Maybe Kick you it. Us, yeah, six <laughs> versions like you did for the sorry. Oh, yeah. Do six versions like sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Kick it. Kick it. Kick it. Kick it. That's perfect. <laughs> that was amazing. You're amazing. Thank you so much, John. It Thank is you. such a pleasure. I enjoyed being here and hopefully get another chance to talk. We will. That we is will. a deal. Pinky yeah. swear. <laughs> I'm all in. Okay. Can you stick around for a minute? I'm just going to do the wrap. Absolutely. The wrap. The wrap. Not like the Thanks for listening to another episode of the Media Casters. You can keep this conversation going and kick it with Karina and Jules in live office hours each week. Visit themediacasters.mn.co to sign up. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe whenever you listen. Let's kick it.